Our assignment today is in 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. Turn with me there, if you will. 2 Kings chapter 6, 1 through 7. Last week we began a series um, called Beheaded, and we're going to stay on this leading up to Christmas. Um, seems like a strange thing to talk about at Christmas time, but I believe it's very, very important that we do. Second Kings 6, 1 through 7, we're going to continue uh, with an Old Testament passage that is one of my favorites and kind of bring out some new truths in this that I'm learning about. It says, And the sons of the prophets said to Elijah, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan, and let every man take a beam from there, and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants? And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. There's nothing like losing, borrowing a man's tool and then use, losing it, right? And uh, then having to go back and tell them that you lost it. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there. And he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. Lord, we love you today. We're thankful for an opportunity to be able to set some time aside to gather with friends and family, and to be able to open our ears and incline our hearts to what it is you want to say to your people this morning. We're thankful for you. I'm thankful, Lord, that you saved me. I'm thankful, Lord, that you called me. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you've been with me all of my days. You're worthy of all my praise. All my adoration goes to you. You are everything to me. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, uh, last year I did quite a bit of traveling, and, and so we were, uh, we were in and out of coverage quite a bit. I learned a, a new annoying feature on my phone that when I don't have coverage, coverage, it says in the top right-hand corner of my phone, searching. Nothing more annoying than when you need coverage for your phone to say, that it's searching for it, particularly when you pay as much as we do for phones nowadays. Well, I haven't paid it yet. I'm paying on the phone, if you know what I mean. And so although it's not paid for in its entirety, I expect it to not be searching so much. Uh, I traveled last year doing some construction in different places like California and, 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 and such. And when you get on the plane, they make you right off the bat put it in airplane mode. And I've always wondered, like, does it just mess with the instruments on the plane? Does it, well, if people, what if people don't follow the rules, are we going to die, you know? And so I, I never really understood that, but I'm always obey it because 
I've been living with my wife for 20 years, and if there's a rule, we're going to follow it. Um, I'm a rule breaker. I just like to break it to see if we'll crash. And um, just, just to see, like, like, that's the way I do. Let's, let's just break the rule and see what happens. Oh, we didn't crash. See, it didn't, it didn't do anything. Brooke's like, no, they said to turn it off, turn it off. And whenever I fly with her, she's always like, did you turn your phone off? And she knows I haven't yet. But she's, she's, she's basically taught me uh, how to follow rules, which has really helped me in my spiritual walk. And, um, and so, so anyway, so I was flying with Tim and, and they, they came on, uh, Tim, Pastor Tim Rufner, and they came on and they said, put in airplane mode. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to be a good example to Tim. And so, so I put it in airplane mode. And, and so we, we took flight. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, uh, so we took flight. And, and as we were about to, as we were descending and about to land, we landed the plane. The rubber hit the tarmac. And it came to a stop. It pulled into its bay. And they said, now you are safe to turn on your phones. And everybody around me immediately began pulling out their phones as fast as they could. It's like a mad dash. Two things. One, standing up so people posture themselves so you, they're afraid that you're going to pass them. You know what I mean? Like, don't you dare pass me. I, they postured themselves to get in the lane, you know, because they got to get out of the plane quick. And then also, but before even people get up to get their suitcases and stuff, they grab their phone and begin scrolling, checking their email. Have you seen the mad dash to check when on the plane? It's, it's crazy. And everybody else started getting coverage and checking their emails and scrolling their Instagram feeds. And I still had no coverage. Now, you know, I don't know what would have happened if I didn't put an airplane mode, but something was broke down. And in the top right-hand corner, it was searching for connection. And I realized that that... When it's still searching for connection, you can still open up Instagram, but the only thing that will show on the feed is what was there the last time you were connected. Same thing for emails. I opened up my email, and I began to scroll down through my email and look to see if there were any new emails, because <laughs> I'm so important. And scroll down, and all that was there was the emails that I had read from the last time I was connected. Same thing with Facebook. I was scrolling there, checking there. Maybe, maybe it's one of the apps. Maybe it's just the mail. Maybe it's not Facebook. Facebook's, Facebook has the tendency to be up when everything else is down. So I checked Facebook and I checked and the, what was there was the last thing that I saw from the last time I was connected. And then I realized that people are a lot like phones. They see the same thing in their life over and over again because they've lost connection. <laughs> Can I ask you a question today? When was the last time you were connected to your heavenly father? <laughs> you want to see him do new things in your life. and You want to see him speak new revelations to your heart. and You want to see him talk in, about how much he adores you and cares about you. You, you want to encounter him in new ways but you haven't been connected to him for years. We want things to change in our home and change in our marriage, but we've lost connection. The question that I ask myself is, Sean, are you tired of seeing the same old thing over and over again? Maybe you need to check your connections. What's your connection with the Lord? How are you connected with people, who are you connected to? 
without a connection, my phone merely serves as a bank for where I have been, but can never serve as a catalyst for where I'm going. (laughs) Come on, that's good. I mean, that's why some of you are still connected to your past and can't ever get out of it. Because your life and your vision and your heart serves as a bank for what has been because you have no real living connection today. And so you do not know where you're going. You merely have to attach to what has been because what is, the connection is lost. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness gracious. Some of you are connected to the salvation of yesterday. I was saved 15 years ago. And this is my experience and this is what happened. But when and have you had another connection with him since that day? That's why many of you in the first service, not in this service, (laughs) many of those people in the first service, that's why they can't live past their past. That's why they keep going back and celebrating what happened yesterday because nothing new has come up on the feed of their life. No real new encounter. That's why testimonies are very seldomly about what happened recently and are most often about what happened years ago because we've lost connection and there is nothing new happening on the feed of our life. God's calling us to a better connection. That's Without a connection, the only thing I can do is what I've already done. And it was then that I realized we are a lot like phones. I want to do this. From the moment you were born, you were connected. So it's not abnormal. Some of you here today are like, I I could be a hermit. Just put me up in a cabin in the middle of the woods. I never want to talk to another human in my entire life. I could just be happy being alone. Let me tell you something right now. You will, listen, some of you have a bent proclivity to want to be around people less than other people. Like the the epitome of this, the epitome of this is me and my wife, right? Like I I can actually be okay not being around people as much. My wife has to be around people all the time. <laughs> How many of you here are, you, you find energy when you're around people, you, you get energized? How many, how many of you here get drained when you're around people? Raise your hand. That's, that's like 50%. That's like 50%. That was the same person making two sounds. So, can you, can you give me a tissue, sweetheart? I don't care. Um, the, uh, but just because I, I can be around people less than Brooke does not mean that connections are not important to me. Listen to me today. When you were born, you were born connected to your mother with an umbilical cord. You, you came into this world connected. And all through life, even and, you know, when you were born, then the doctor cut that connection. But we but you know what that did? The moment that connection was cut presented a need for another connection. As soon as the baby got hungry, boom. 
The baby had to be fed by the breast of the mother. It had to make another connection. And you can, you can make these, these things, you can, you can look through our life. Many of you come to church and it's important that you get connected to people. But sometimes coming to church, then eventually when you've been coming to church for five years, eight years, isn't enough. And so now you need to begin to make a deeper connection. So you try to figure out how you can serve and get to know people better. You need to try to figure out how to get involved in a small group. Are you with me today? Because you need a better connection. We value connections in life. It's important that we understand that connections mean a lot to us. Connections mean a lot to us. So why, why is it important for us to be connected? Because we all value attention. Listen to me. What you, where you give your attention and the attention you receive matters immensely to us as creatures. It does. Now, um, that's different person to person, but attention matters. Psychologists actually say this. They say there's two ways that people... Um, go through life. There are top-down, there's top-down attention, and there's bottom-up attention type of people. Top-down people are driven by goals. They're driven by their thinking. They're driven by motivational goals, things that they, they have identified with and they move forward. Top-down mind focuses when they have something to accomplish. And then there's another type of people that these, these people are bottom-up type of people. They are very stimulus-driven. Very stimulus-driven. In other words, these are people who only pay attention when a noise is made. Uh, Brooke, come on up here and help me for just a moment. All right. This is the bottom up kind of people. So if I am going to journey, I'm going to a destination. God tells me somewhere to go. He's given me a purpose. He's called me to do something. And I begin to make that journey. And you make a noise when I'm making this journey. I make a journey. <laughs> All right, you may be seated. <laughs> you get the point. So as I'm making this journey, a noise catches my head. Listen, noise makes your head turn. And where your head turns, your body follows. Bottom up kind of people are very stimulus driven. So the enemy knows how to attack you. Once God calls you, you move his directions. The enemy will make every type of noise he can get to get your head. Because if he can get your head focusing on him, he can get your whole body. And the enemy for years and multitude of different ways has been trying to turn the head of the church so he can get the body of the church to do what he wants it to do. He wants your attention. 
It's amazing. I don't know if you can relate, but there are many of you in here today that feel like at the moment that everything begins to go good, at the moment that everything begins to plug along, at the minute that you seem to get things right and your relationship between you and God is right and your relationship between you and your wife is right and, and everything seems to be healthy and you're pursuing God and you're relentless about your pursuit of God, it is in those moments that the enemy shows up and makes a noise in your finances and makes a noise in your relationship and makes a noise at your church to get you to turn your head so that when, because when you turn your head to see what the noise is, your body turns away from what God has called you to. That's why he calls us to make a joyful noise that counteracts the other noise. There's nothing more effective, men, than when women are screaming with a high-pitched sound that you can make a low-pitched sound and cancel out the noise. Come on now. And it's time that the church begin to make a joyful noise, not a distracting noise, that cancels out what the enemy is trying to do in the church because if he can get your attention, he can get your whole body. Let me ask you this question today. What noises have popped up in your life and what is the enemy trying to get you to move away from? Oh, man. He wants your head. Don't be a bottom-up type of person. Don't be stimulus-driven type of person. These are people who only pay attention when a noise is made. That's bottom-up type of person. <laughs> this is why you have to be careful who you're connected to. Because there's some people in your life that make some noise. Sometimes you don't need somebody to give you advice. Sometimes you need people to shut up so you can hear God. We don't need your wisdom. We don't need your advice. And we don't need you to give your opinion. What we need is for you to be quiet so that we can hear the voice of God in our life. It's time that we start being quiet so people, we stop silencing the noise so people can actually hear and discern the voice of God. We live in a world where it says in the Bible that we should know our shepherd's voice, but we don't know our, his shepherd's voice because it's drowned out by all the people we have put in our life. We would rather get counsel from men than listen to our God. And it's time that we get in a room and we incline our ear to what he has to say because people will quickly lead you astray from God's plan and God's best for your life. I guarantee you there was no one on the face of the earth that would have given Noah the counsel that he needed to get. When God calls you to something, he's calling you to something that only God can get credit for. And if he's calling you to something that only God can get credit for, what man has done what only God can do? And how he can he give you counsel when God calls you to something? Come on now, come on. We got to be careful about what we say. We got to be careful about who we seek. We got to be careful about valuing the opinions of men. And we need to incline. Sometimes we go to people because we don't like what God had to say about the situation. 
I'm not saying all the time, chill out, because people come talk to me in the last couple weeks. I ain't hating on you. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's true. What's God had to say about the situation? Are you here with me today? Some of you, it's not that you don't like what God had to say. Some of you, you don't know what God has to say, so you're hoping that somebody else will hear from him. That's why you seek prophetic movements. That's why you want a prophetic word over your life because you can't get a word from God yourself. And I'll be honest with you, if you, could, if you would incline your ear to God, prophets would have a, a, a really great gig without much work. The point is that we begin to incline our ear and hear from God ourselves. Okay, maybe that's not right biblically. I don't know. That's what I feel, and I'm free. I'm spitballing. So here we go. All right. In the next season of your life, you need to be around quiet people. This is what I wrote in my journal. In the next season of your life, you need to be around quiet people. I'm so tired of folks that always have something to say. They know something about everything. How in the world are you going to give me counsel about something in which you have no experience? The problem is, some of you keep listening to people who have never been where God is trying to take you. They will borrow, and and let me tell you, and as soon as you make it, they will borrow your influence so that when you make it, they can say, I helped them make it, and they can get the credit. And we got to be careful about who we allow to touch our life. We got to be careful about the fingerprints of people that are touching our life, the blueprints of our life, because when we make it, who gets the credit? God is saying it's time for you to back off of people. Stop letting people have so much influence in your life, so much power in your life. Stop letting people touch your life so that that way when I rise you up, when people look at your life, they will know that only God could have done that. And then people won't take credit for what God has done. You need to learn how to let people in your life without letting them in your spirit. Come on, man. Let me, let me, I mean, just, I mean, I mean, this one to me means something to me because I love people, but I've given my heart to people. And God never called me to give my heart to people. Jesus was very careful about who he gave his heart to. And I want you to understand something all people matter. But all people don't need your heart. They can have your time. They can have your resources. They can have your body at times, but they cannot have your heart. And there are some people you're giving your heart to that don't value your heart. They only value your resources. They don't value your heart. They only value your time. And when you stop giving them time and you stop giving them resources, and for some of you young ladies in here, when you stop giving those men your body, they will throw you into the dumpster and into the highways and the byways of life and into the alleyway, and they will discard you like trash because they only value what they can get from you. They don't value your heart. That's good stuff. I'm on fire. And you need to stop giving your, 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 your body to people that God has not assigned for you to give your heart to. Oh my gosh, man. I don't care if that's leadership. I don't care if it's relationships. I don't care what it is. We've got to be careful about the connections that we have in our life. And we need to be careful about what we entrust to people when your heart is only to be given to God. 
for he is jealous, and he alone should have your heart. You need to learn that people are a lot like furniture. You don't need to throw them out. You just need to know what room they go in. You don't take a toilet and put it in the kitchen. There are a lot of people that are full of a mess. But you didn't mean you don't need the toilet. You need the toilet. It just needs to be in the proper place. That's good stuff. Just let that one sit in. You'll get that when you're driving home. The toilet still has value. It just has value in the proper place. Some of you have taken people and elevated them to rooms that they should never have been in. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And, and, and you need to understand that, that everyone has a place. Everyone has a place, but there are certain rooms that certain people should not follow you into. <laughs> I'm going to let go of that little... Uh, there's like... There's constant double entendres going on there. Some of you are like, what's a double entendre? Anyway, um, <laughs> you need to keep these people. You just need to know what room they belong in. Elijah was mentoring a group of young men. Some theologians say this, so we're going to get back to the school of prophets. I'm, I'm, I'm setting this up. Connections matter. Everybody say Connections. Elijah was mentoring a group of young men. Some theologians say that this school of the prophet was actually founded by Samuel the prophet. Now, Samuel the prophet was a bad, bad man. He actually anointed Saul as king. And then God came to Samuel and he said, I need, I'm going to lift the anointing off of Saul to be king. And I want you to go anoint David as king. So Samuel heard for the voice of the Lord. He went and anointed David as king. And it says that this, we learn through some study that Samuel, uh, they think that Samuel started this school. Josephus actually says that Saul possibly attended this school. Now, so as we read this in context, one of the things we need to understand is they said that the school enrollment was being enlarged. Nothing will enlarge a school's enrollment like, like somebody going to a school and becoming king. Because whenever you produce something of value, it makes other people want to attend because they would think that it will help produce them to be what Saul was. So people began to flock to the school and it says that the school became full. And they said there's no longer any room in here because the enrollment has grown to such a degree because of what happened to Saul. And now we need to figure out what to do. The Bible says they go to Elijah and say, this place is too straight for us in the King James. In the, in, in the New King James, it says it's too small for us. Perhaps you need to understand that there are some environments you're running in that have become too small for you. You need to evaluate the connections of your life and realize there are some connections you have in your life that have now become too small for you. It is a, it is a small place. You have a vision and God has put something in your heart that is bigger. And so we have to then create space for God to move. 
They said this room is getting too small. The school is too small because it has received a reputation of producing a king. Listen, it's not the education at Princeton, Yale, and Harvard is any better than any other one, but it depends on who goes and what their occupation is going to be. But when one of these produce presidents and congressmen and lawyers, and then everyone wants to pursue that profession, then says, I want to go there too. So the school produces a king. So now all the people who want to go and be like him start to attend the school. You have to understand that productivity always increases enrollment. You see, when you're not producing, nobody wants you. But what they don't understand, listen to me today, what they don't understand is that productivity is 98% private and 2% public. You are not merely productive when you are visible, when it is visible. Uh, a mother carries a child, hopefully, nine months. In some of your cases, you carried it for longer than nine months. God bless your soul. And then you end up giving birth to a baby like me that's 10 pounds, 5 ounces. Everyone needs Jesus at that point. And so, big baby, right? But my, you have to understand the 2% once the baby comes out, once the baby's brought out and shown to the world, that we think that that's the only time the baby is produced. But the baby has been being produced for nine months. Now, for the father... It doesn't seem like that. The father has connectivity with the baby at the 2%. Many of you will only celebrate people for the 2%. What is seen, the, the, the success that is seen, the accomplishment that's seen. You only celebrate what is seen. But you don't know that they've been working and producing something for nine months underground. <laughs> 98% in private and 2% in public. There are too many people who want to judge you after you come out, but they don't understand that you're smart enough to not hang around people who weren't with you when you were in. The more productive you are, the more people want to touch you, the more people care about you. Listen, when Jesus went into the grave, no one, no one was hanging out in the grave, checking on him, hanging out and trying to touch him. There was nobody there. When he went to the cross... There were only a few there. John the Beloved and his mother, they were the only ones that were there. Everyone else left. No one else that was connected to him was there. The connections were lost. Come on now. But when you hit your 2% and you start going up and Jesus came and walked with them again and once he started going up, everybody wanted to touch him. Everybody wanted to get with him. I came here today to tell you that there are some people that have been sitting around you for months and years and you're about to go up and they will only celebrate you when you go up. So if they, if they did not walk with you when you were not seen, then they only want to celebrate you when you go up. You best be careful about that connection. Oh, now, that's better than you think it is. Like, I can help you out a lot. I've seen people that, that, that accomplish something and, and they have their breakthrough and people think that breakthrough happened by happenstance and by luck. But I want you to understand it was years of walking and working in the dark, years of not being seen, years of being faithful in private, years of praying it out, years of walking. And now we live in a culture where people see on Facebook and people becoming famous overnight and I want you to know half of it's baloney. 
Everybody wants to be an overnight success. As a parent, listen, I went through some stuff. I went through some stuff. I've been down and out. I've been broke. I've not had money to pay the bills. I've walked with my wife in the hard times. She's stayed with me in hard times. I've been with her when she's not pleasant. She's stuck with me when I'm not pleasant. We held each other when we were sick. We helped each other when we were, when we were down. And I want you to understand it took time to get to where I am. It took time. It took, it was, life has been a pressure cooker and I am tender meat. We have kids nowadays that want to look at Facebook and they see everybody becoming instantaneously famous overnight. Instantaneously hitting their 2%. I want you to understand it's a lie straight from the pits of hell. And in every person in life, they had some underground thing that you didn't see. They had some underground things of, of working and, and blazing and suffering and walking and being faithful when no one saw them. And I want you to understand, if you think you're just going to get to your 2% overnight, you're crazy. It takes 98% of your life to develop and be ready for the 2% that he's going to raise you up. Oh my gosh. It took God, it took God 30 years of not being seen, of being faithful, of obeying his parents, of obeying his parents, of obeying his parents. <laughs> to learn that the power that he would walk in would truly come from obeying his father. Some of you want to pray yourself into power. But you spent your whole life disobeying your parents. And the, and the training ground for power and being used by God was put right before you in the temple. Because how can you obey that which is unseen if you cannot obey that which is seen? Oh man, that's, I'm off my notes. And having fun. Okay. You have to understand that the more productive you are, the more people want to touch you. Okay. Some of you need to look at your neighbor, and, and I want you to think this. You don't need to try to touch me on the way up if you didn't want to get with me and get to know me when I was down. I've heard pastors say this. I, I just can't get off this for some reason. I just can't get off this. I don't know what it is. I don't, maybe, it's just, maybe it's a service. I don't know. I'm trying to be obedient, Lord. I have a lot of notes to do. I will do, okay. I've heard pastors talk about people in the church as if those people were a nuisance because they were constantly in trouble. And so they began to, to run away from people who seem to constantly be in trouble because no matter how much time, energy, and resources they pour into that person, that person would never come out of the hole they're in. And then I've seen these same pastors watch these people get victory and then want to step in and take credit for the victory they got. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Good men. Listen to me now. Good men and women 
will only see you when God uses you and you bear fruit. But be careful because they'll eat all your fruit and they'll leave you desolate. They will use you for their own good measure. You better be careful who you're connected to. Okay. Okay. Whenever you get ready to go to the next level, I want to talk about this. So the school was expanding. I've not lost. I know what I'm doing. So the school was expanding. So they had to, so the, the enrollment was expanding. So they had to expand with the enrollment. Try with me. They had to expand. Everybody say, we have to expand. We have to expand. Some of you, God has placed in environments that are too small for you. And if you're expanding beyond the atmosphere of the environment, you will feel crushed. And let me tell you, if you take a fish that could be 10 feet long and you put him in a fish bowl, he will only stay the size that the environment allows him to stay. Some of you need to change your environment. What is your environment? What is your friends? Who are the people you hang out with? What are your connections? Your connections are your environment. And I came here today to tell you, some of you need to change connections because God is growing you. And you, can't, and you are going to be, you are going to be, what is it? Uh, uh, dampered, uh, hampered, something, stiffened from growth if you do not change your environment. You need to evaluate your environment. Understand if God is calling you to something greater, that it may be time to change your environment. Oh, man. Okay, so we have to expand. We have to expand. When a baby, when a baby grows and gestates and grows inside of a womb, there comes a point where the baby can no longer fit. That's when contractions start to push the baby out. Some of you think the pain you're going through is the devil beating you up. And some of you think the pain you're going through is God punishing you. I came here today. It's contractions to push you out to the next level. To an expanded place where you can grow. Man, come on now. Listen, don't hate all the pain. No pain, no gain. Sometimes pain brings gain. Sometimes you can't grow where you're at and the contractions push you out to where you can grow. Oh, man. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the painful situation will push you away from that relationship. Come on now. And we need to understand that every transition, every time we are expanding and growing, we have to get into a new location. The reason she has contractions is because the baby that is inside the womb was big enough for the room now. The baby that was inside the womb has become big enough for the room. So God needs to transition what is in to, 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 to out. So now the baby tried to make passage from where it is to where it's called. But the portal between yesterday and tomorrow is always smaller than the thing that is in your today. Let me give you a picture. Over in Jerusalem, there's something called the eye of the needle. It is, you, some of you have heard the scripture, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What that meant is that every time a camel would get ready to go through the eye of the needle, it would have to literally bow down. 
It was that small. Because the portal from where you are to where you're going is always smaller to help remove the things in your life that don't belong. Come on now. It is impossible for a camel to not only bow down and and go through. The the camel cannot just merely bow down, but the owner must take everything, all the accoutrements, all the extra things that are on the camel. It must take all of that off so that the camel could go through to the next phase of growth in its life. You cannot go where you're going remaining like you are. That's why it's hard for a rich man to go. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because you don't get to enter the kingdom of God with all the accoutrements and the finances and the money and the things you've built up and all of that has, you have to come low to go high. Come on now. And so you take all that off. I want to ask you something. If you get a promotion at work, can you use the same language you've always used in a lower role? Or does the promotion require something more of you? And what you used to have, the accoutrements, the language, the, the, the feelings, the, 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 the attitudes, all that has to be left. You have to come low and that has to be put off so that you can move into the next phase of your life. You can't be who you were yesterday and become who he's taking, making you become tomorrow. Oh my gosh. To expand, you have to get low. I love that they didn't want Elijah to build it. They weren't waiting on the prophet to build it. They weren't waiting on the pastor to build it. They weren't waiting on the pastor to expand it. They weren't waiting on the pastor to get rid of it. That was the school's responsibility. That was the people's responsibility. Listen, we will go as a church where you decide to go as a church. We will expand to the magnitude of your willingness to expand. Are you with me today? And it's a choice. Because we can come and play church on Sunday or we can expand to new territories. We can move into new dimensions. We can grow up into the full measure and the headship of who Christ is. But it's your choice. And if you choose to go, I will go with you. Notice the order of that. But I lead us, oh, fearless leader. Listen, okay, I understand it is my responsibility to be hungry about the things of God. And my hunger should, should let me tell you, it should, be, it should be up there with all your hunger. I should be hungry for the things of God. I should be chasing after God. But if you don't go, it don't matter where I go, I'll leave you in the dust. You have to choose to go. And we'll go together. All right? All right. Oh. So they have to expand it. I'm almost done here. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. They had to lose it. They had to lose the extra things. They had to lose it. I love it. He takes his axe. It said that one of the prophets in the school takes his axe. One of the students takes his axe. And he's beating his head against an immovable object. (laughs) The head of the axe, not his actual head. Like, you know. But the head of the axe, he's beating his head against an immovable object. (laughs) He's throwing his head at it. That's why you need to get your mind renewed. You need to get your mind sharpened so that what does not move will move. But you can't use your head because it's dull 
It needs to be sharpened. <laughs> and I don't know what it, what it was. I don't know if the head rejected the handle or the handle rejected the head, but the connection was lost and the head fell into the Jordan. <laughs> what better place to go than where Jesus was baptized? What better place to have your head buried than in the spirit? Come on now. Come on now. L- listen to me. Now, those of you who are new to us today, this may be lost on you, but every time it talks about water in the Bible, it's making reference to the Spirit. I want you to understand that the Spirit hovered over the face of the deep, that the Spirit springs up like a well of life, giving you, quenching your thirst all the days of your life for all who believe and call on Him will have a spring, like a Spirit springing up into eternal life. And let me tell you, where your head needs to go is into the Spirit realm. That way it may be renewed. That way when it comes back up and it is placed on where it needs to be, it has renewed and it is ready to face immovable objects in a sharp way that You gotta lose your head. <laughs> you gotta lose your head. Then it says that Elijah did this weird thing. He took a stick, got a stick, threw it in there. And it said the axe head floated to the top. Now I wanna I wanna stop here because before he actually cut the stick, he asked the man, Where did you lose your head? It's important that you know the answer to that question. And so he said, I lost it here. And so he, he threw a stick down in there. And let me tell you, commentators talk about all kinds of weird stuff about this. And, but most of the commentators say the stick was but merely a way to get the attention of all that were there. Because what was divine was not the stick. What was divine is that God raised up the head. <laughs> And Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. For there's no body which he can lay his head. So he went and was raised up to prepare a place and to prepare a body that for all who believe, he can lay his head down on you. Come on now. Oh my gosh. So he said, Elijah said to the, to the man who lost it, he said, I need you to reach with one hand. I need you to take it. I need you to reach into the spirit realm and take your head from the spirit realm and operate in that manner. Spirit realm. What helps us live in the spirit realm? How does God use the church to help teach us about the spirit realm? Five-fold ministry, one hand, five Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, teachers. That we would learn the ways of our Heavenly Father. That we would learn how to incline our ears to Him. That our head, we would not, we, our head would be focused on spiritual things and not temporal things. That, listen to me, now that we've been renewed and redeemed, we would be top-down people and not bottom-up people. The Bible doesn't say the wood jumped out. The Bible doesn't say 
the axe head jumped out. He had to grab it. Because everybody wants God to do it supernaturally. But miracles require human responsibility.